0: I want to welcome everybody this morning first of all to Thrive. I want to thank everybody for being here and uh, thank everybody who's watching online and we're just honored to have you here with us, worshiping with us, being a part of what's going on. Our motto here at Thrive is don't just survive, thrive. We do it in three ways. Grow, develop, succeed. That's the three words that we use. We're growing a kingdom. We're developing our character, and the way we succeed is we succeed by doing and following the call of God on our lives, both in our local church and in our community. So like I said, we're going to change up, and we're going to get into a series. We're going to call it Living Free. Everybody say Living Free. Living free. I'm going to tell you, one of, the, one of the hardest things to do as a Christian is to live free. It is. You know, we say we have this freedom when we talk about this freedom, but it's really difficult to walk in this freedom because we've been taught how to walk by the law. When you're taught how to walk a certain way, it's hard to to walk away from that because it's what you know. It's hard to walk into the unknown. That's why people don't like change. Because people are scared that in change, what's going to happen is there's going to be pain involved. But you know what? I remember when I used to work out, very long time ago, the saying was, no pain, no gain. Amen. And there's truth to that. You have to have a little bit of pain in order to gain muscle mass. You have to have a little bit of suffering and reading to g- gain some knowledge and education. But the thing of it is, is when I take a look at living free... There has to be a little bit of pain involved. We have, to, we have to let go of the past. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Galatia. And when he was writing, he was, they were struggling with legalism. And, and, and Paul was just so frustrated because what Paul was doing is, is Paul developed this church. And then when he would develop a church, religious people would come up behind him. And they would they would try to put people back into legalism, back into bondage. And it would frustrate Paul because he's like, man, I taught them the truth, they knew what the truth was, and I I just need to really help them out. And we see that a lot of our, of that in our society right now. What happens is people get born again, they get liberated, they get free, then wham, some religious Christian comes along and jacks them up. You know, I remember when I gave my life to Christ, and I remember how excited I was and the passion that I had, and and it was... It was so enlightening, and, and then I had one of these religious deacons come up to me and say, yeah, that'll last for about a few years, and then you'll be like us. I didn't want to be like him. He was mean. I was scared of him. I came into the church, and I did everything I could to stay away from him because there was no love. But see, that's what goes on in church. What happens is religious people preach a different message. See, there's two gospels. There's a gospel that'll lead you into freedom, and then there's a gospel that'll lead you into bondage. They're polar opposite. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes this, I am astonished. What? I'm astonished. I'm blown away. I just don't get it. What's going on? He said that you were so quickly uh, you, deserting the one who called you by, gra- by the grace of God, Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. See, Paul just couldn't believe how he established this church, and they turned away. See, what happened was these Jewish Christians came along, and they said, Look, y'all going to need to get circumcised. Now, back then, they would get circumcised at eight days old. Can you imagine being a 20, 25, 30, 70-year-old man and being told you had to be circumcised? They don't have pain medicine like we have today. They can't put you out. You know what? I wouldn't join that club. That is a, you know what? I'm taking my membership somewhere else. So they were trying to put them back into legalism into bondage and, and you know in those days when you when you think about that you're thinking man well it's just like when when it happened with Abraham I mean they were they were down for days matter of fact when they talked some guys into it they were down for days and they overtook them why because it hurts and legalism hurts it does bondage hurts When you're free, it doesn't hurt. Feels good to be free. It feels great. In Acts 15, there's a debate over this topic. And the church leaders wanted to include this surgery into their doctrine. Let me ask, how many of you would join that church? Right. I'm with you. That's why we're here at Thrive. But see, they were dealing with the same thing that we deal with today, and that is they were abandoning the doctrine of grace and going back to the doctrine of works, a religious type of gospel, not truly living free. And we do that all the time, and then the scripture goes on to say this, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And it's so easy to go back, to get perverted, why? Well, I'll tell you why. This is the Bible Belt. What does that mean? There's more religion here than any other place on the planet. (laughs) Truly. And, And I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody who was raised here, but if I was born in Tennessee or Arkansas or any place in the South, I don't know if I would ever be a Christian. I'm serious. You have some of the most lovely people here, but you have some of the most meanest religious people here. You all know what I'm saying. You've been raised in those homes. See, when I got born again, I'm from Southern California. I mean, in the late 70s, early 80s, I was a punk rocker. Orange hair, mohawk stuff. I had somebody yesterday, I did a wedding yesterday. Somebody asked me basically if they were going to hell because they had a tattoo. I said, I've got four of them. I'm not going to hell. I said Jesus is going to have a tattoo when he comes back on his thigh with a name. I said the scripture you're talking about in Leviticus has to do with with worshiping demons. It doesn't have to do with putting ink on your body. But see, religion has taught us some things. It's taught us let's just throw some scripture out there and let's confuse the people instead of reading the whole thing in the context of what it's written in. Because the Bible defines itself. You don't need me to define the Bible to you. And I'm a teacher. I'm someone who's been educated in Bible college and all these things. But you don't need me. You need to read yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth. And if you do, and if I do, We will come to the same conclusion if we're listening to him. Amen. See, God's not confused. The key question is this. This should be in your notes. How am I going to become godly? Now, that's a great question. Because once I get born again, how do I do this? I mean, i got these people saying this, i got these people saying that, i got all these people, and every religion has a pathway to some type of godliness. Every religion does. But the problem with Christianity as a whole is we take every other religion's pathway. We do it the same way they do it. We might not have the same exact words, but we have the same path. I'll show it to you. Ready? Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Now... The Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he'd formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, right in the middle of paradise, God gave us two choices. Now these trees they weren't like apple trees, you know how you see Eve took this apple, uh, you know? No. It was a tree of life. That's what the tree was. It didn't it didn't say Johnny Appleseed came over there and planted all these trees. No, it was a tree of life. And then the next tree if you take a look at it, it's the tree of knowledge. It's not the tree of good and evil. It's the tree of knowledge. That's the pathway. What we do is we try to take our knowledge because we think we are so smart. And we eat off the wrong tree. And we become religious. When God says you have a choice and he wants you to take the choice of eating of the tree of life. Is that pretty good? Okay. So the key question we said is how do we become godly? So you either become godly by eating of the tree of life, or you try to become godly by your own knowledge and you're not going to get anywhere because you're going to do it a good way and not a God way. You have to take one of the O's out of good to make it God. Oh, anyway. You can laugh. It's church. It's all right. Verse 16, it says this, And the Lord God commanded that man, or the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do it, you'll surely die. So what happens is this. When you take the knowledge that you have and you start doing it your way, and you think it's better than God's way, then what's going to happen is you're going to die in whatever situation and whatever decision that you're making. You're going to make the wrong decision. If you see ten people coming up against you and they all have machine guns and they're running towards you and there's a machine gun there and a pencil there, your reasoning is going to say, take the machine gun. God might tell you to take the pencil. Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Come on. Think about this. He took of the tree of life because the tree of life told him what to do. He followed God's decision instead of his own wisdom. And when we follow God's decision instead of our own wisdom, then we live and not die. If you want to live in any circumstance or any situation that you're going through right now, what I ask you to do and I implore you to do is I ask you to take of the tree of life. And the way you take of the tree of life is... First of all, pray. Go to God. Seek him. God, I need your help. Open up his word. And and, and don't open up Leviticus and and all these things that says, ah, stab him in the eye. Open up up the New Testament. Find find out who Jesus is. Find out who the character of the Father is. And when you see his character, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the truth of how to get out of your situation. He's, He's your help. Calling me on the phone and saying, "Pastor, I need your help." That's like Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You know that—that's not it. Jesus is our only hope. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to give you a pencil. He's going to give you a, a donkey's jaw. I mean, whoo, man, good stuff. Okay, let's continue on, chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. That means he was real slick. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Now, I never saw where God said don't touch it, but evidently he must have. But that's that was new to me when I read that you know, a few years back. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, the devil never tempted Eve with rebellious desires. Not one time. He tempted Eve by saying, if you do it my way, you'll be like God. When God already created them in his image and his likeness, but the devil came along and whispered in her ear and said, do it my way. See, that's what the tree of knowledge says. Do it my way. Don't do it the words way. Do it my way. Frank Sinatra had a song, and I did it my way. He did, and he's dead. He's dead. So she bought into the lie, right? Like a lot of Christians do. We go to church, we get saved, and it's like, man, this is so awesome. And then we get into this religious track that it's kind of like, come just as you are. Now that you're here, here's the rules. Circumcision. It's the room in the back. Go ahead. Take a number. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we do. But church is not supposed to be that way. The church is supposed to be come as you are, start getting a relationship with him, and you'll change from the inside out. Because if you try to change from the outside in, you're just going to be a dressed up pig. Serious. Now all you religious folks watching on TV, I'll take your hate mail and everything, but I still love you. Okay. Bible says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate of it. She also gave some to her husband, dummy, who was with her, and he ate it. You know, Adam's got to be the dumbest guy I've ever ran across. See, Eve was deceived. Adam committed high treason. He knew what he was doing. Guys still do it today. We, we see that woman. I see my mom. Ooh, hey, baby. <laughs> you know, God's saying, warning, Will Rogers, warning, you know, and, and we're saying, ooh ha, ha hmm. you know, I mean, we do that today. Anyway, that wasn't part of the message. That was just free. So the next verse kind of goes into what happens when you make the wrong choice. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Can you imagine them walking around naked and not realizing you're naked? I mean, if everybody took their clothes off right now, you'd all know you're naked. You'd be doing this. You'd be naked and afraid. And that's what they were. It says they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's the worldly choice. See, the godly choices, they didn't even have knowledge that they were naked. When they received the knowledge that they were naked, then shame and guilt came in. See, when you use your knowledge, shame and guilt comes in. But when you use his knowledge and you eat off the tree of life, there's no shame and no guilt. When I go to the store and I talk to somebody about Jesus... I don't have shame and guilt. But when I go to the store and I'm trying to get out real fast, so I refuse to talk to that person, I think about it when I'm in my car. Oh, man, I should have said something to them. Anybody ever been there? That's because we did it our way. And I'm not telling, saying talk to them about Jesus to hit them over the head with the Bible. That's the religious way. I'm talking about sharing with them life just being kind, just being loving, just, just being real with people and not being religious with people. I'm going to give you a, some ways to where you can make one of these two different choices. One of the ways is this. One focuses on what you do. See, when you focus on what you do, it might, you might be doing a good thing, but you might be doing it for the wrong reason. Well, let me tell you a good thing for the wrong reason. Reading your Bible is a good thing, but you can do it for the wrong reason. See, you can memorize all the scripture that you want to memorize just so you can show how much knowledge you have and how smart you think you are, and really that's prideful. The reason why I read the Bible is not so I can show everybody how smart I am. It's because I want to get closer to God. So you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. I mean, I'm not telling you don't read the Word. I'm just saying do it for the right reason. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's about this. Focus on what Jesus has done. That's the focus. I read 25 scriptures today, you know. I read my chapter. What, what What are you trying to prove? I do my reading and I don't tell you about it because I'm not trying to earn your respect. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get closer to Jesus. Because it's not about what I do, it's about what he's done. And that's what we have to realize. In John chapter uh, 5, verse 39 and 40, it says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them. So he said, you think by reasoning things out, that you're going to figure everything out in your own mind. He said, so you think that by them you possess eternal life. And that's not true because the only way you possess eternal life is through Jesus and through the knowledge and knowing Jesus personally, not by your reasoning. Then he goes on to say, these are scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He said, I don't care how much Bible you memorize. I don't care how much you get into the scripture. That doesn't mean anything to me. You think by doing all this that you're pleasing the Father? That's not how you please him. The only way you please him is when you're getting in there, you start looking for me. That's what he just said. So without these things, without getting into there and looking for Jesus, you don't have anything. Nothing. You can... You might be going to children's church and memorizing your little uh, memory verse to to get yourself your little bubble gum, but if you're not going to children's church and and really getting in touch with Jesus, really you have nothing but bubble gum. That happens every Sunday. People come to church every Sunday because what they do is they, they figure, well, I have to come to church because, you know, I mean, I was raised that way. Well, you just got your bubble gum. You need to come to church because you're searching for Jesus and you want to get together with other believers and you want to grow. And I'll tell you, if that's your reasoning for coming here, then when we go out there, we're going to be effective in leading people to Christ. Otherwise, you're only going to be effective at giving people bubble gum. Anyway. Thank you. So the next one, one focuses on God's approval. See, I run into so many Christians, this this should be in your notes, I run into so many Christians that they try to earn God's approval. You can't earn it. Jesus paid the price. All you have to do is believe in him, but you know, it's pretty sad that that Christians are running around trying to, well, see, this is what I've done, and look what I've done, and they broadcast it to everybody. Like, God's impressed. Now, God might be impressed if you lived a sinless life on your own and laid your life down... For other people he might be impressed with that but it ain't gonna happen first of all you were born in this world you were born into sin the blood that runs through your veins is was blood of sin at one time but see what happened was the blood that ran through Jesus's veins was the blood of the father he breathed life into the womb of Mary so it was not natural blood. It was a different DNA. It was a heavenly DNA. And this is good stuff right here. I don't care what you say. And then the next one focuses on receiving God's love. And that's the right focus. We need to focus on God's love. We need to understand that God loves us. The problem in church, the reason why a lot of people don't like to go to church is because The preacher starts off by saying, God loves you, and then ends up by telling everybody, you're going to hell. Really? Does he love me, or does he want to send me to hell? I mean, we've got a schizophrenic God. No, we have a lot of preachers and teachers and men of God who might be decent people, are misinformed and they're eating from the tree of knowledge instead of the tree of life kind of like you ever ever heard the saying taking kindness for weakness and you know to me when you understand that that's like saying how shall I put this Let's say I accept somebody as a person, and I love them, and I'm just really cool, and, 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 and they might be, I don't know, murderers. They could just be evil people. I'm not accepting what they do. I'm accepting them. Kindness for weakness. Just because I'm kind, it doesn't make me weak. And just because I accept you as a person doesn't mean I accept the things that you do. But see, the problem in the church is this, is we have some demented thinking that, well, if you're nice to them, then all of a sudden you're accepting what they do. That is far from the truth. Amen. That What that is, is that's thinking of the knowledge of good and evil. That's religion. And you might be going, oh man, you know, I think that way. Am I, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. Why? Because I want to help you. I want to help you get to the tree of life. I'm not judging anybody. See, don't think for a moment I hadn't been there. I was just as religious as everybody else. I mean, I, yeah, I had the t-shirt. Had it tattooed on my forehead. I mean, I was. But then some events happened in my life that totally changed my life. And the event that happened was Grace. And when I understood what grace really was, grace is not taught correctly in church. It's starting to be taught correctly, but people are taking it and they're, they're going to the other end of the pendulum with it and thinking, okay, well then I, it gives me a license to sin. I can do whatever I want to do. That is not what grace does. Grace gives you the power to live above sin. And it's God's ability working in you and through you to give you the ability that you don't have in yourself. And when you're working on his divine ability, then you can do these things. Because, you know, to be honest with you, you cannot make the right decision without grace. It's impossible. Okay. Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? That means God didn't wait for you to change to hang out with you. God hung out with you so you can change. So don't wait for friends and loved ones to change, to hang out with them. Hang out with them and be the example so they can change. I can't tell you how many times I hear people, oh, you know, that? I'm, I'm not hanging out with them anymore. It? They don't have a chance without you. You need to be the Jesus in their life. If you're not the hands and feet of Jesus in their life, they cannot and they will not change. Whoa, what's going on? Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. 1 John 4:19 says this: We love because he first loved us. (coughs) And that's why we love. He started it off, he didn't wait, He, he did it from the beginning. The last two examples are, the, are these right here. One focuses on external duty, that means focuses on works, things that we do. I mean, I'm an usher, I'm a greeter, I'm this, I'm that. I, you know, and it's all these things that I do. That's knowledge. But the other one focuses on internal desire. It's not about knowledge. It's about internal desire. I remember when I got born again, I was so passionate. Every time the doors opened up in church, I would be there. Matter matter of fact, the first time I opened up the Bible um, to to start reading and I was given this Bible, I read the first 25 chapters of Genesis in one sitting. I wouldn't wouldn't leave it. And the only reason why I stopped is because it was 3 o'clock in the morning and, and they said I needed to go to bed. We lived in a real small house at the time. There were six of us in there, and it was, I'm going to say it was, it was probably a little bit bigger than the stage, but not much. But I got up the next morning real quick, and I read the, the second 25 chapters. Because I was hungry, there was an internal desire on the inside of me to, to, to get to know God. It had nothing to do with memorizing the Bible, and it had nothing to do with the works that I was doing. It had to do with getting closer to God. There was an eternal desire, a passion. You know, it's a privilege and an honor to serve God. I'm passionate about being a pastor, about teaching the Word of God. I'm very passionate about this. Uh, to be, besides having my wife, is, is this is the most passionate thing I really am into. I have fun doing other things. I mean, Alexa gets on me, and Leah gets on me for doing the, you know, sheriff's department and the driving the bus. I have fun doing those things. But to be honest with you, this is my passion. This this is it, and I'm so blown away that God would call me to do something like this, especially with my background in the past and the history that I used to, you know. I, I mean, I can get into all kinds of things with you, and, and some, of you, some of you guys know where I, I should be, uh, in jail or, you know, not, not with a star on my you know, chest or anything like that. I mean, I should be on the other side of the bars. But God. And I'm so honored, and it's such a privilege to serve him. I have an internal desire. First John 5, 3 and 12, it says this. It says, this is the love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, are not burdensome, are not burdensome. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Now, when people hear that, they don't hear that scripture the right way. What they hear is, I need to obey. Obey, 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 That's what they hear. But that's not what he said. What he said was, if you fall in love with me, it's not going to be hard to do these things. The reason why I don't cheat on my wife that I've been married to, it'll be 30 years in July, is not because... There's not opportunity out there, or there's not some good-looking women out there, stuff like that. The reason why I don't cheat on my wife is I love my wife, and I don't want to do anything to hurt her. The reason why we don't sin against God is when we love God so much, we don't want to hurt Him. It's internal, not external. See, if, if I have to fight off these desires because I'm not in love with my wife, one day I'm going to fall. If I got delivered from drugs and alcohol, and I have to fight off the desire to go get a bottle of whiskey every time I go by the, the store, then I haven't really been delivered. The grace of God takes the desire away And if the desire has not been taken away, then you're not walking in the grace of God in that area in your life. Okay. So now you can probably understand that scripture a little bit better. I'm going to give you three basic principles for living free, and then we're going to do something else. Number one, fall in love with Jesus. If you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's the same thing that I just explained. Number two, don't allow condemnation. So don't allow it. Keep it out of your life. You know, the Bible says this. It says in Romans uh, 8, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to see that portion of it scripture right there see that comma in the King James Bible it adds to it It talks about for those who don't walk after the uh, flesh but after the spirit but that is not in the Greek so what does that mean it means there is no condemnation don't add anything to the Bible if you're in Christ Jesus, there should be no condemnation in your life. Fall in love with Him. Don't allow condemnation in your life. It says, the law of, it says, because through uh, Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been set free. If you are in the Son, you've been set free. And here's the last one. Make the choice every day.